Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. We're talking about the Celtics last night. They get the win. They snap the losing streak. But did it really inspire you? Jackie McMullen joining us now. Get the win. They snap the losing streak. But did it really inspire you? Jackie McMullen joining us now on the on the phone lines here at ESPNBoston.com. Uh, Jackie McMullen brought to you by Town Fair Tire and HSA Insurance. How you doing, Jackie? I'm good, Tom. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, thanks. How, how did you feel about that Celtics win last night? Well, wasn't it? Did you feel like you're in the wayback machine? That's what I felt like uh, watching Pierce fill it up the way he did. You know, ten years ago, that could happen any on any given night. And I have to admit that in in today's world, when I see Pierce line up behind that three point line, a lot of times I'm thinking, no, 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 too much time on the shot clock, no rebounders, don't take it. But last night I was like, go ahead, baby, because he had it going, and I love it when he has it going like that. Yeah, you know, I heard Doc Rivers say uh, about the game, Paul Pierce goes one mile an hour. And all these young guys are running around trying to stop him. And it's frustrating as hell because they can't figure out. It's great to watch him on a night like last night when he's just dropping everything, isn't it? It really is. And, you know, it's, it always starts with him when he gets some of those uh, long bombs to, to drop. Then he starts feeling it. Then, he, you know, you, 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 you fly out there to the three-point line to try to stop. And then he does that one mile an hour that Doc is talking about, that little twist, that little turn. I'm going to fake you this way. I'm going to fake you that way. And, you know, people forget how strong Paul Pierce is. He really can. He can hold people off in the, in the lane. He's always been able to do that. And he's always been a decent post-up guy. It's just that, you know, as you get older and your game changes, you're not doing that as much. Uh, I'll tell you what, though, much, much needed win for these guys, even though it was a team that now has the most losses of any other team in the, in the NBA. These guys coming off that road trip, that winless road trip, they needed to do something to make themselves feel good. And I think Pierce as much as anyone understood the urgency of that. You know, the night that Paul Pierce has after the game, he gives the game ball to Jason Collins, who gives you 23 minutes, a point, couple rebounds, gets all of his fouls in there. But what would you think about the move of putting him at that starting center to start this game? Well, I understood where where Doc was coming from. If if you can go back to the days when they had Perk in the lineup, it's the same kind of idea. A defensive guy that's not going to score a lot, that can take up some room in the middle, can rebound a little bit for you. You're you're not going to worry about him scoring, but you do have to play him honestly. If you leave him open in the post, uh, you're going to have problems. I mean, he you know he's he, it's not that he can't score. He can put in a two or three footer like anybody. So you got to you've got to honor him in the post. And when you do that, that means that you open up those perimeter shooters. Yeah, and you know, putting him there too, it goes to the point I was talking about earlier, and, and it's just I think it's human nature and probably very frustrating for Doc. And I just have to wonder if if these guys, I know they're going out there and giving it that effort to win each and every game, but that urgency isn't there, and I can't help but think that they realize what the big picture is, and it's late in the season and being healthy. And a guy like Collins, one of the moves was to kind of protect a guy like KG and getting him away from some of those big bodies. You know, what? I think you got a point there, Lou. Although the whole urgency thing drives me crazy. Um, and I know what happened last year. I saw it with my own eyes. But this year, what I see is I already see the urgency from guys like KG and Pierce and Rondo. I already see it. And that should concern Celtics fans because I think they're doing, they're playing hard, probably harder than they'd like to play at this point of the year. And it's all the other guys that we thought had so much promise that we're going to help them coming off the bench, that we, we talked about the depth in the backcourt and all that. They're the ones that are coming and going. So that's a great concern to me because uh, I think last year, KG and those guys, they may have flipped the switch a little bit for the second half of the year. I think the switch is already on for them. And obviously Doc has done such a good job managing that over the years here, their time, especially early in the regular season. 
But as you said, and, you know, the, the other guys, what they are and aren't doing right now, you look at the schedule, the Brooklyn game on Christmas Day and the road trip uh, that begins there. Uh, how does Doc manage that fine line between getting the rest of the roster some action but, but using his stars to keep in this thing? Well, you know, it's an interesting question, Tom, because I think one thing that Doc has never been afraid of doing is if he gets disgusted enough with a player or frustrated enough with their defense or effort or lack thereof, he just sits them down. They're out of the rotation. He doesn't play them. But if you do that, what happens? Then you've got to play your other guys more. And that's, that's a real catch-22 for him, I think, at times. You know, you, you're, we're seeing Jeff Green. I, I feel like he's coming along. He's getting a little more consistent. Courtney Lee, not so much. And, you know, Jason Terry, again, you're going to ask him to play a different role when Avery Bradley comes back. I think we, they're now get, trying to get him off the bench again, get him acclimated to the role that he'll be in. I thought he played really well last night. If Pierce hadn't had such, such a big game, I think we'd be talking a little bit more about him, too. Yeah, and that's the other move, right? I mean, Doc puts him back in that starting lineup, and, and the reasoning, like he's, the, it was because he wants him on the floor with Brondo, and that's where he thinks he gets his best shots, or you get more out of Jason Terry. And you just brought up the point. I think eventually Avery Bradley might not happen game one, gets back in that starting lineup, and right. Doc just openly admitted that Terry's not the same guy not playing with Rondo from the bench. Right, but you know the thing about Rondo is um, Terry will have plenty of chances to play with him because Rondo's going to be out, as you know, right. for 30-plus minutes every single night, uh, sometimes closer to 40. So I, I wouldn't worry too much about Jason Terry getting minutes with Rondo. I see that happening a lot. And again, depending on what the score of the game is in the fourth quarter, what you're looking for, are you looking for defensive pressure? Because then maybe you go with Bradley. But if you're in a situation where you're down a few baskets, you, you might go with Terry in the three-point shooting. Um, you know, I can't imagine you're going to go really small and have all those guys on the floor. But, uh, but you know, the Celtics, when they play small, small, they're effective. We've seen that before. You know, one thing that kind of perked my ears up last night during that game was, was the talk of possibly Anderson Verjao being dealt by Cleveland. And right. you kind of think of it and say, well, perfect fit here. I'm not sure if it could work. But you, you, know, you got no, a guy. They don't, have, they don't have, Lou, they don't have what it would take to get Anderson Verjao unless you want to give up Rondo or something. Right. Which I doubt they do. And they don't need him anyway. They've got Kyrie Irving. So. Uh, he's a he's a frontline guy, the big time rebounder, and, and you're right, he's exactly the kind of energy guy they need. I I just if you're the Cleveland Cavaliers, why are you going to move this guy? I, I don't see the value in it. And if what kind of message are you sending to Kyrie Irving, who's your franchise player, if you get rid of the guy that's uh, given you the most alongside him since the season started? I, I, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Jackie McMullen joining us here. Uh, T.C. Lumer Loney with you uh, filling in. I'm filling in. Lou's not filling in. Lou's a, a, a full-time guy. I'm just a, a, I'm a role player off the bench for one game. Uh, Jackie, your most recent column on ESPNBoston.com talking about John Farrell. And, and I said the day he was introduced at the press conference, and we will see, obviously, what kind of manager he is on the field. We saw that he didn't get results in Toronto. Uh, right. but, but I had the feeling the day they introduced John Farrell as the manager, there was a calm at Fenway Park that I hadn't felt in 14 months. I mean, the guy's got a presence about him that whatever you want to say about Bobby Valentine, uh, it is the exact opposite of, of how Bobby Valentine uh, sort of handles himself and handles things with a team. Yeah, no question about it. And, you know, I talked to some of the kids, uh, some of the guys on the team, Pedroia being one of them and, and Schilling, and they all talk about that presence that you're referring to. But I do find it curious that it didn't translate in Toronto. That was the, you know, and I did, I did bring that up in the piece because I, 
I wonder what went wrong there. From talking to some people in Toronto, I guess Batista was really Farrell's guy and, and the guy in the in the clubhouse that backed Farrell all the way. And so when he had that injury and went down, he lost one of his biggest allies in that clubhouse. But I think his previous stint here with Boston, I don't think you can talk about it enough because he established something here, not just with the pitchers, but with the position players, uh, with the front office. I thought it was interesting that Ben Charrington told me for that piece that when they were sitting uh, in their in their boardroom talking about trades and free agency, that John Farrell, the pitching coach, was often in on those meetings uh, to give his 10 cents worth. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, listen, it's a bridge year. I think that's pretty obvious. I'm not telling anybody they, anything they don't know. I think what they're hoping at least is Farrell can get Lester back on track. He can keep, you know, get Buckholz back on track. Some of these guys that he's had before, maybe he's the one that can solve the riddle of Daniel Bard. He had, remember, he was the one that was a big supporter of Bard's when uh, some of the other front office people weren't sure. Farrell was, you know, yelling very loudly to give Bard a chance and to keep him up in the big leagues instead of, you know, settling him back and forth at Pawtucket. So the mental aspect of what he can do for this pitching staff is, is a huge plus. You know, is it enough to get him in the playoffs? Uh, probably not, uh, but I think it's a good start. Yeah, because I, when I look at this team, and they could have went out and they could have got Josh Hamilton, they could have got Zach Greinke, but if they were going to turn this thing around, it was going to come from within. And those right. guys that you had just mentioned, and, and Daniel Bard is a guy that I don't think that they really can count on at all. If, if Farrell can turn this guy around, it's almost like you just – picked up a free agent because he was lost for that long. Right. But and that's why I think that he is, you know, the the good fit for this team because if it's going to happen it's going to come from within. Well, and I think too Lou and and I don't know if you agree with this or not, but it seems to me that uh Daniel Bard needs to understand he's a middle reliever until further notice. Sure. And that's probably going to be his role going forward. He was very successful in that role, but you know, Farrell was saying, remember how successful he was? And I said, well, yeah, I remember too, though. Jonathan Papelbon was closing up behind him. Sure helps for Jonathan to have Jeff, Jonathan Papelbon waiting to take care of things for you. Um, I don't think they have a closer of Papelbon's caliber here, although Farrell's high, high, high on a Seves. Now, if he can get through to that guy, now we're talking, aren't we? Yeah, that we is the know challenge. That he's got a world of talent. Yeah, that is the challenge. Uh... You know, Jackie, I have no, uh, and don't get me wrong, I have no internal memo here from Fenway Sports Management or Nesson or ownership telling me this, but I get the feeling that this isn't the team we're going to see in April. Don't you sort of feel still, and I said the same with the Yankees, I think there's a trade to be made. I mean, they've done their free agent shopping. We'll see what happens with Napoli and whether it's LaRoche or whatever. Uh, but I you don't. I mean, there's just if you look at this roster, you know, you got an extra catcher, you got a Glacius right. now, a yep. Seves. I'm not sure. You know, you're right. I mean, Farrell seems to love him and maybe is on this team, but he'd be a real valuable guy to a lot of National League teams right now. Would love to get a guy like him for that salary. Uh, I so say he, Felix Dubrant is maybe a guy you could trade as long as you're getting pitching mm-hmm. back. But don't you feel there's a deal coming still within the trade market? I, I think so. I agree with you. And uh, and you mentioned Glacius. I'm interested to see what they do with him. Uh, do they give him one more year or they already made up their mind? Uh, as you point out, uh, a plethora of catchers. And, uh, and, and you know, that outfield, I'm telling you, I, I know they want Ellsbury to have a good year, but uh, it seems, still seems to me that they're going to look long and hard if he starts out of the gates fast and his value goes back up again. They've got someone now who can move over to play center field. So I, I think that that's always in play. Ellsbury's always in play. Yeah, and Jackie Bradley behind, you know, Victorino, yeah. obviously. There's your bridge. You know, if it's Victorino right. getting you to Bradley. Uh, we shall see. Always interesting. Jackie, thanks so much for the time. Happy holidays. Yeah, same to you guys. And um, I know Mutt probably isn't listening to me. If he does, he'd be a bad father. But I <laughs> wish him the very best with his new son. 
So uh, Merry Christmas to everybody. Jackie, before I let you go, I am remiss. I, I'm the king of that, by the way. Final question, then I ask nine more questions. Oh, I do that I'm all sorry. Time. I'm good with but, that. But, you know, you don't get enough credit for your hockey knowledge. I just got it. You know, is the NHL lockout oh, killing you? I'm sick. So sick. I can't even stand it. I really can't. I'm telling you. I did the um, Thanksgiving thing, Tom, with um, Cam Neely and everybody, yeah. where they feel all, fed all the homeless. And they were calmer than I was. I mean, this makes absolutely no sense. They just had the best year they could have possibly have hoped to have had last season with all the major markets back in play, with all the incredible storylines, with the Capitals and, you know, the Bruins, unfortunately, for here, but, you know, the Bruins falling off and L.A. And they had everything. They made more money, Tom, than they've ever made. What is wrong with these people? I know. We'd be watching 24-7. They'd be playing at the Big House in Michigan with 108,000 people in a week and a half. This should have been uh, And And it's gone now. What a waste. Yeah, I mean, no matter what. I mean, listen, we'll go back. It's it's Boston. We'll go back to the Bruins. But I was in Nashville. I was in Nashville for the winter meetings. I mean, you think that the Predators season ticket base is – is going to rally yeah. back around it's that just, team. It's such a huge mistake. And you had L.A. back in play, yeah. Yeah. back in play, California, back in play, and you blow it. Because I'll tell you what, we know all about the attention span of those folks in L.A. There, that'll get some phone calls for you. <laughs> but we know what their attention span is. Oh, there's Jackie McMullen setting up our final hour and 40 minutes. There Thanks, you go. Jackie. There you go. We appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Jackie. That's my gift to you guys. Yeah, appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> Jackie McMullen <laughs> joining us, as always, uh, the best. Jackie McMullen brought to you by Town Fair Tire and HSA Insurance. Just want to give her props for, for hockey. She's, I mean, well, she know, one everything. of the great, but but she's one of the great NBA, mm-hmm. you know, people in the world, and she can do everything she knows. That, but, you know, UNH, she knows what hockey means. Her family's been around hockey. I just like to give her credit for being more of a hockey person, people realize. She's well-rounded, Jackie McMullen. She can do many, many things. We know that. She covers all the sports. She's outstanding. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.